0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay.
1: How's it, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. How's it? I'm Josh Lee. Just kidding. I'm Jimmy Wong. You
2: are listening to the Command Zone podcast, or maybe you're watching it. This is our 400th episode. Woo! Pretty
1: crazy. Bloody, yeah, Pretty crazy. Uh, Almost seven years old now. Wow. Yeah. At this
2: point, we're almost going to, what, we're in middle school? Second grade? Nice, Maybe third? Yeah. Very exciting. Well, one thing that we haven't actually really covered, and this is for anyone that is jumping into the game right now, is how to actually play the game of Commander. Now, we've talked about this game in a thousand different ways, it seems like, but it has now grown to be the largest and most popular Magic the Gathering format. Wow.
1: Yeah. So this episode is going to be about how to play Commander, what makes it different, what makes it awesome, why we made 400 episodes about (laughs) it. Uh, It's going to be devoted to um, learning about the format if, you, if you're not familiar with it. There might be some nuggets in there if you already are, but we want to get people up to speed about what Commander is uh, and what the rules are, how it differs from other forms of magic. And, uh, well, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to go right into the main topic here. Yep. And if you have a friend that's considering jumping
2: in or anyone that doesn't know how but is interested, this is the episode to send them. So copy-paste that link and get it on over to them.
1: Yeah. We do want to say that this is not going to be a video where we teach you how to play Magic. Right. Uh, we're going to assume that there's already some magic knowledge there. If you want to learn to play magic, the best way to do that is to download Magic Arena, which is the digital version of the game. Commander uh, isn't available to be played on Arena, but Commander is a variant of magic. And so if you understand the fundamentals of like how to cast spells, how attacking and blocker- blocking works, then you're going to understand Commander. It's 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 a slight change in rules from the more traditional way to play Magic. It's kind of like, I like to think of it as like ARAM in League of Legends. Oh, yes. All random, all middle. Yeah. Can't or- choose your champion,
2: but you're all playing basically like League of Legends, but in a slightly different format. But if you
1: don't know want to play regular League, going to ARAM, it's... It- you know, it's slightly different, but it's not like all your skills transfer, right? Yeah. Uh, Indoor soccer versus regular soccer is another way to think about it. That's kind of how I like to think of Commander. Yep.
2: And Commander was invented originally to be a very casual, so not competitive format because it is multiplayer. We're going to get into all of those details. And of course, there's going to be Always an exception to everything we say, almost universally, but we're going to be talking about the cases 99% of the time when it's true. Those small exceptions, you'll run into them, but that's not the point of this episode. You can always look at our other episodes on the podcast to sort of dive into those details.
1: Yeah, you can learn about the little fringe cases later. Don't worry about that stuff too much. We're just going to talk in general, in broad terms. All right, let's talk about first, what makes Commander so awesome? I think we can quickly go over the main points, Mm -hmm. and then we'll go back around and sort of Take a deeper look at each one of these things. So, number one, Commander is multiplayer. And that means that normal magic is usually 1v1, but Commander is actually usually a total of three players in a game or four players or five players Uh, four is the most common pod but you'll see some variation of three or more players which is a totally different dynamic than 1v1 yeah and you're of course
2: using so many cards throughout the history of magic that a lot of cards are going to be much worse or better depending on it because magic originally was designed to be a one-on-one game but a lot of cards now these days are
1: designed to be for a multiplayer format Yeah, and when there's more players at the table, there's a lot more socializing going on. If you're playing 1v1 and somebody plays a creature, you know that that creature (laughs) is going to be attacking you because you're the only opponent that they have. If you've got three players or four players a game and they play a creature, you can do things like this. Jimmy, Hmm? who are you going to attack with that creature? Oh, gosh.
2: Um, Well, you have a blocker, but you're the scariest at the table, so I'm probably going to swing at you,
1: maybe? Eh, But I do have that blocker. Maybe you want to attack Megan instead. Eh, okay, sure, why not?
2: <laughs> so that never, ever happens in one-on-one magic because the game is just to beat one opponent. But when you're at the table with four other players, all of a sudden you're socializing, you're using politics and small tips and tricks to sort of get
1: your way around the table and navigate your way to a victory. It's kind of like King of the Hill in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's kind of the board game style of magic. It uses a lot of the same uh, skills or, or flexes the same muscles as like playing Among Us or something like that, right? right. Werewolf, something like that. Uh, it has that aspect to it. Uh, it's really about more about hanging out with your friends than who wins any particular game. Yeah, this is the real gathering that I think Magic was invented for,
2: but we just didn't realize it back in the day. Because game nights you're playing at your LGS or Command Fests, Commander is always about sitting with multiple people, meeting new people, seeing all kinds of crazy decks and brews, and it being multiplayer
1: lends itself to a slightly more casual format. Alright, the second thing that makes Commander so awesome is the opportunities for unique deck building. So, In Commander, each deck has a Commander, which is a legendary creature card that that deck always has access to. Uh, And this opens up a bunch of like wider variety of strategies than mm-hmm. most other formats have because if a legendary creature comes out tomorrow, well you can suddenly build a deck that could never be built before and there are tons of legendary creatures tons of different kinds of decks.
2: Yep, and there's also these partner commanders where you compare one partner up with another one. You're talking about hundreds of different possibilities. No two decks are ever going to be identical. Um, and as a result, you just have decks that are unique they feel like it's your expression of how you want to play the game and each of the decks is going to feel like its own sort of creature slash strategy or play
1: style or whatever you whatever you would like there are also also some interesting deck building restrictions built into the rules of commander there's something called color identity which we'll talk about later but it kind of restricts the colors you're allowed to use depending on what your legendary creature your commander is Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a singleton format which means you cannot have any duplicates of the same cards in your deck besides basic lands Uh, and that creates a higher variance and sort of a more unpredictable Outcome or more unpredictable play style than one v one. Where one v one, you get four copies of everything. There's the decks are smaller. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, the the games will kind of play out the same way. It's not that way in Commander. Yeah, and you actually build your decks in one v one in the competitive formats to be to
2: to play out the same way each time because you want that consistency. But Commander's fun. You get to choose from all these cards, and sometimes one card you'll play will be completely different, but have the same effect as another one. But that creates the variance. It creates a lot of that sort of like interesting dynamic of only having one type of one
1: of each card yeah no two games are the same ever Uh, another reason why commander is so awesome is the games are longer so games can be longer (laughs) for three reasons two of which we've already talked about multiplayer there's just more players in a game so it would make sense that it takes more time to knock out two players than it does one other player yep more Uh, turns the singleton aspect does create longer games just because decks are less consistent, there's more variety, there's more variance, and therefore it's less likely that you're just going to do step one, two, three, and win like you can with uh, in the other formats sometimes. And the last thing is that in Commander, everybody begins with 40
2: life. Instead of 20. So that's double the normal life total. Again, it makes sense with there's more than two players. If there's four players, everyone has 40 life. 20 life, the games would just end very quickly. And so what happens is that a lot of cards that you would never play in competitive formats, cards that cost a ton of mana or are slow and clunky, actually have a perfect home in this format because you can have that a moment, that chance to play that spell that's huge and really powerful and actually have it work can go through, whereas in in a very competitive, faster format, you might
1: die before that thing even gets the chance to swing or do its job. Yeah, they say that in competitive formats, like if you have a a seven mana spell in your hand... Very good chance that the game never even gets to the point where you have the amount of mana to cast that spell And Commander, because of the more life and all the other reasons. Good chance you're going to get up to that amount of mana, be able to do some things once you get there. So yeah. it does open the door to sort of the bigger, splashier spells, or you know, the riskier, wilder strategies. Yeah, you know, more with, unique situations with more time. If you're in a car, you can press the gas a little harder and
2: you can go faster than you otherwise would. But if the course ends halfway through, then you're not going to get that speed. So Commander being longer, having that bigger. Speed Bell is splashier, it's just much more realistic.
1: All right. Uh, the fourth reason why Commander is so awesome is there is a huge card pool. In fact, 20,000 plus cards. Yeah. <laughs> Almost all cards that have ever been printed for Magic are legal. Uh, silver-bordered cards are not. They're a little bit of a special situation. Power 9, sort of Magic's oldest, most powerful cards. But for the most part, I'd say
2: 99% of cards you can play in this format.
1: Yeah, if you own it, if it's in a box in your closet, if you've dusted it off for the first time after 15 years, 99.9% of the cards in that box are going to be legal in this format. And they will... they will continue to be legal in the format you know forever basically there is no rotation or any other outside mechanic or rule that's going to suddenly cause a large swath of cards to not be legal in the format mm-hmm. anymore, which does happen in things like Standard and stuff like that. And what's really cool, amazingly, with
2: all these cards, there's actually a very short ban list, so cards that you cannot play outside of, and it is specific to Commander. And bans actually, these days, happen very infrequently and very rarely. The, the, the format is sort of wide open in a lot of different ways and ends up being a sort of self-regulatory. You don't need to just ban stuff left and right because it's a little too powerful, because you have
1: access to every card in Magic that also sort of polices itself. Yeah, it's one of the worst feel-bads is when you're playing Modern or Legacy or Standard or something, and either it rotates or they ban a card. And they don't even have to ban the card... Uh, that you have, but a card from your deck, which suddenly makes your deck not work yeah. anymore. And now all the cards in there are kind of, they're not technically banned, but they're not useful anymore. That just doesn't happen in commander over the last, like four to five years, we've only had like four or five cards banned and they even unbanned some cards. So actually they've only like netted maybe three cards, total banned more than there were five <laughs> years ago. They're just very, I like that about the format. You have a card, you're going to be able to play it. Yeah. And because you have a giant
2: card pool, you are just able to play different strategies mm-hmm. and make a ton of different things more viable than you were before. Uh, um, um, again, the multiplayer format. You have more time. You have more cards to choose from. Things that you would literally never be able to do in one-on-one in Standard or Legacy or whatever are now sort of open to you in Commander. The The door is kicked wide open and you have access to all this stuff. You can kind of do whatever
1: you want. Another reason you can kind of do whatever you want is the fifth reason why Commander is so awesome. And it's because it's casual. It's not a tournament format. Uh, you Not that no LGSs will run tournaments for it, but it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Usually you're playing for no stakes. Nothing's on the line. You're just Except playing with friends or people you know, <laughs> right? A little bit of pride. And and the social dynamics and the politics don't tend to, to lend themselves super well to tournament structure where you could like team up against somebody right. and like that might feel bad. It, Commander's not the best format for like finding out who the best magic player is, right? Like, yeah, you won't
2: actually find a lot of hyper competitive players enjoying Commander that much because they don't like the fact that you can just tell someone to attack them and they'll do it, right? They don't have full control of the situation. So it's kind of hard to actually determine, I am the best because so many different things can happen in the course of a game. Someone like me might join the
1: table and just add an element of chaos that wasn't there before that totally throws that equation out the window. Or Jimmy and I could sit down and just know that this person, you know, Glenn's sitting there and he's the best player, clearly. And Jimmy and I just look at each other well, we better kill him first <laughs> and take him out. That's definitely happened, Glenn. Sorry. Um, Um, Yeah. So, as a result of the fact that it's casual, players are often, they know it's casual, right? Going in and they're prioritizing things when they build their decks and when they play beyond just winning, right? Yeah. If you sit down in a game of limited or one-on-one, you're trying to beat the other player and that's your main goal. In Commander, it's not always the case. A lot of times you'll just do something because you think it's funny or cool. It's going to lead to a funny story. It's going to be epic. I don't know how this is going to end up. We do this all the time on Game Mm Nights. I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm going to do it, though, because it's going to be crazy. And people will prioritize things that aren't winning.
2: Yeah, and especially if you're playing with a group of friends, people that have known each other for a long time, you open the door for a lot more of those possibilities where it's just like, well, this was really interesting the last time it happened, and I have a grudge against this person, so I'm just going to do this for the heck of it and see what happens. And you end up making these crazy moments, really fun, relatable, insane stories to tell people over time. And that's one of the things I find that is often a huge conversation point when talking about Commander is what happened in
1: another game that was so unique and interesting that you just have to share it. I do want to note that there is something called Competitive uh, Commander, C-E-D-H. It does exist, but they are a small part of the population. Most people uh, f- would would t- say the, the uh, format is casual right like 90 percent of people i think would say that yeah it's making up a number but i think i feel like it's something like that
2: it's also what makes the game so awesome is that we're not here specifically now it's not to say that if you want to be that person that just wants to win there's definitely a space for you in the format as well but for the majority of it the big majority we're playing for casual we're playing for fun
1: yep all right and the sixth and final reason we're going to list off that commander is awesome is because it's popular this didn't used to be the, the reason when we started. No, uh, seven or eight years ago, seven years ago. Uh, but Limited now, used to be the most popular, and then Commander quickly overtook it, which is crazy. Yeah, so now this has become the most popular way to play Magic, and and why that's good is because you can find games if you build a de- Commander deck you're going to be able to walk to a pl- walk into a place where people are playing Magic, and guaranteed somebody in that place is going to play Commander. You will be able to play your deck against them.
2: Yeah, not to mention, because it's so popular and it's so casual, you can actually build a deck for really cheap if you're looking for budget options. Whereas if you're trying to play a modern deck against someone else, well, in that case, them just having a more expensive deck might mean they're just better than you in that sort of that deck build. So, it's really popular and the fact that you can have access to pre-con Commander decks that you can upgrade for just a couple of you know, 20 bucks or whatever, and make them... You you know, competitive enough to play at the table means that you can find games anywhere. You can walk
1: into anywhere and say, who's got the commander deck? And you'll see a ton of hands shoot up. And you'll be ready to go. Uh, also, your LGS, there's definitely going to be people that play. And big magic events. Hopefully, those will come back uh, yeah. after the pandemic here. They
2: actually uh, launched a command fest specifically for Commander and it ended up being super popular right before the pandemic hit. So, I think those are definitely coming back.
1: Right. So, there are big events where you'll be able to play. Yep. All right. So, that was a good little overview of Commander, why it's awesome. Let's get into the nitty-gritty here of how Commander really works. We should start with the namesake the commander the one and only the or card, two and only sometimes <laughs> the two and only uh, so the biggest difference between commander and other ways to play magic is that each deck is led by a commander card so just like you might have like your favorite fighter in street fighter or your favorite champion in league of legends um, or class in destiny mm. uh, commander lets you play in a way that expresses your interest your style uh, the things about magic that you love because you just choose a legendary creature that encapsulates that build around that yeah
2: and at this point in the game there are definitely enough legendary creatures that pretty much if you told me hey i like doing x y and z i could find you a card that matches that really well or a combination of partners that does that so let's take a legendary creature one that was just recently released Ozgir the reconstructor yep this is a red white commander it loves bringing artifacts back getting uh, synergies from the graveyard and enter the battlefield effects and it's pretty powerful so the way that your commander works is that it's not a part of your deck. You don't shuffle it into your deck every game. It actually begins in a special area called the command zone. Typically, players put this above their deck when they're playing, but they can really be anywhere. Just make sure that people understand that that's their command zone and that's where your commander begins the game.
1: Yeah, so at the start of the game, you draw seven cards, but your commander's also sitting there in the command zone, and you can cast it out of the command zone anytime you want by paying Uh, its casting cost. It's basically the same as it being in your opening hand, not the exact same, though. If somebody wanted you to discard cards or something, it's not in your hand, so you couldn't discard it. Yep, Uh, and you have to abide all normal rules for casting. it. If it's a creature, sorcery speed only, unless you have flash, et cetera. Yep, and it's almost always a creature, but not (laughs) always. Yeah. Um. And then the great thing about the commander is, well, we're going to say this many times throughout the episode, uh, quote-unquote, you always have access to it. And what we mean by that is it's very difficult, nearly impossible for your opponents to make it so that you, your commander's gone and you can no longer cast it. Because when your commander gets removed, whether it is killed and it goes to the graveyard, exiled... Bounce to your hand, Duffled shuffled into, into your library. library. Any of that stuff, instead of doing that, if it's your commander that that happens to, you can choose to put it back into the command zone. And therefore, you can now cast it out of the command zone again. The only rule to keep in mind is that for every time you've cast your commander out of the command zone in a given game, you have to pay an additional two mana. We call this commander tax. So let's say I play my Ozgear, Jimmy removes it, blah, I put it back in the command zone. The next time I cast it, I have to pay an additional two mana. So now I believe it's going to cost six mana. And then if it got removed or died again, I could put it back in the command zone. But the next time I have to pay an additional four mana because it was two plus two more for this mm-hmm. m- most recent time it died. So it'll be eight mana. Then it'll be 10. Then it'll be 12 and so on and so forth. So it does become more difficult to cast commander as the game goes on. It dies a lot. But... It does mean that, like, it's very difficult for your opponent to just fully shut off your strategy by being like you never have access to your commander. Yeah, and that actually never, that didn't always used to be the case
2: before. There was a way for you to shuffle a commander into a deck, and so obviously the rules committee looked at it and went, "You know what? The point of this game is to have access to this card, so that you will always have." The main thing you have to worry about is if it gets removed too many times, and then you just have to pay more and more mana. At a certain point, it becomes untenable.
1: Yeah, if when it's twenty five mana to cast your commander, which I've never actually seen. <laughs> uh, then it's, it, it can be like virtually you can't cast it. But by that point, the game's probably over. That's a long game. Uh, but as a result of the fact that you always have access to your commander, decks will often be built around the special abilities and the powers of their commander. This It'll be central to the strategy of the deck because it's safe for a deck builder to do that since you always have access to it. Yep, and just
2: knowing that when you draw your card of seven hands and all the cards in your deck are going to synergize with your commander in some way, That makes sense. Otherwise, if you went, okay, well, it can only cast this once. Well, how do I build a deck around this card? Now that you always have access to it, you can build a deck around it, everything synergizes much more nicely. So there's lots of different ways that you can express your personality and play style. There are ways to do it in tribal ways. I want to just build only vampires, so I'm gonna play this card called Edgar Markov. I want to build the coolest, biggest value engine ever, so you can play a different commander that abides sort of in that world. Maybe you're a combo player, you want to end everything in one big turn, or you want to just throw out so many tiny little tokens that your Tristani is going to make them huge, and then you're gonna kill your opponents with one big swing.
1: Yeah, whatever strategy you want to. Go with. There's going to be multiple commanders to choose from to pull out that strategy. Uh, for the most part, yep. One of the real big strengths of the format is, and why it's named after it, is the commander. We wanted to talk about some quick examples of our own decks, Jimmy. What are what's a commander that you personally play uh, and love, and how did you? build your deck for it yeah so i have a commander
2: called marchesa marchesa allows creatures to come back to the battlefield if they have a plus one plus one counter on it and you can get those counters by attacking players with higher life totals so this deck there's lots of different ways to build it but the one that i love the most something i grew up playing and loving is stealing other people's creatures so if i steal your creature manage to get a plus one plus one counter on it and get rid of that creature then it comes back under my control so that's sort of a somewhat controlly board uh, that likes to play with other people's stuff and swing and kill them with their own things. And that, to me, was a great way to do it, and chase is an awesome commander to build around that.
1: Yeah, I wanted to do a counterpoint for my favorite deck, which is a, a deck that's not built around the commander, because you do not have to build your deck around the commander, Correct. although I'd say most decks are that way. I have a deck, uh, I call it the Tim deck. It's based around a card called Prodigal Sorcerer, which taps to deal one damage to anything. And the whole theme of the deck is just... Creatures that tap to do stuff and synergizing with the tap abilities on creatures. And what commander do you have for that deck? It is Kaidel and Ludovic, which are partners, but they uh. don't actually synergize directly with the deck as far as helping creatures tap or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but Kaidel does have a tapping ability. Yeah. So Josh is and it's interesting, and lots of players
2: do this as well, which is like there's a central idea that the deck is built around that doesn't necessarily need your commander to function. But, you're, but the cards in there may be sort of like part of the synergy, but they don't lead it in the same way.
1: Yeah, but I think this just uh, is emblematic of the fact that Commander really does let you do anything. Even if there's not a, a legendary creature that does exactly what you want to do, you can probably still pull off your strategy yep. uh, with something else. So. Yeah, some players will just have a random five-color Commander just so
2: they can play all the colors. Yep um okay so i mean one of the things i love about commander too is that when you sit down at the table the first thing that you find out is who everyone's going to be playing as mm. commander and that for me is something to get excited about because you can ask "Ooh, interesting oh that person's playing that and they're doing that this is what i'm gonna have to look out for or i have no idea what josh is doing over there i can't wait to see it so there's a lot of excitement that comes into that sort of like what are you going to do and how are you going to play against the other ta- people at the table because again
1: no game is going to be alike All right, let's talk about some of the unique deck-building rules that Commander has. Uh, The first thing is that it is a singleton format. And what this means is that Commander decks are 100-card singleton decks. So there's going to be 100 cards in your deck, No, that that 100 number does count your commander or commanders. So you'll actually have 99 cards in your deck plus your commander in the command zone. Or if you have partner commanders, you'll have 98 cards in your deck plus two commanders in the command zone. Uh, But when we say singleton, what that means is that no cards in your deck can be duplicates of other cards in your deck so you can only have one of any given card in your deck except for basic lands basic lands you can have as many mountains swamps, swamps islands islands forest you probably want because it's pretty good uh <laughs> you can have a lot you can have as many basic lands of the same type as you want but any other card if the card has a name that's not a basic land then uh, you can only have one of it yeah and it doesn't matter if this this card was printed in this set but the same card was reprinted in another
2: one nope those are the identical same cards so you can't have multiples of it now of course, there are some exceptions and there are a lot of decks that are actually built around this and they'll typically say so right on the text of the card. So if you look at a card like Persistent Petitioners at the very bottom, it says a deck can have any number of cards named Persistent Petitioners. This, because it's printed on the card, this overrides the rule of Commander and that typically is the case. If it's written on the card, then in that case, the card's rule sort of that's what goes. Um, same goes for a card called Dragon's Approach, which was just came out in a set called Strixhaven and then a Shadowborn Apostle which is the exact same thing again the deck can have any number of cards named shadowborn apostle
1: they're only like About half a dozen cards that this matters for but when you run to that deck you'll know because they'll have 30 of that card in it Um, but for the most part 99.9 percent of the time everyone's only got one copy of any card you see them play so if they play something that's it they're not going to have a second copy of that in their deck and also you can't put two copies of the same card (laughs) in your deck now a lot of people might say wait only
2: one of each card this feels like a downside i Mm. want to have four lightning bolts in my deck because that card is just awesome but the it actually i think adds to the fun because it allows again and it forces players to sort of choose cards that are unique and specific to their strategy but it also forces them to to reach out and try a little bit something different because a lot of times someone's going to go wait a minute what is i've never seen that card before and that's something that i think happens at least once in most commander games that i'm in and that's a fun thing for me
1: yeah i like the singleton because it adds to the variance so that when you've got that many different cards in your deck it's really hard for the deck to play out in the same way every time yeah we're in a 60 card deck with four of everything you can really only have like six or seven different cards in your deck you just got four of everything right, right uh that's not like that in the commander also it leads to sort of just less optimization in general and that means more off the wall cards can be played, more different situations can come up. You can do s- stuff that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah. And and that is something that happens, you're right, I think in every single commander game where somebody is like, "Wait, that's a card? Where's that from? Where'd you find that?" In a, in a good way, right? Of like, "Holy crap, I need to put that in this deck of mine or something like that." Yeah. Our friend always takes a picture of every card that he finds interesting. I also and think He's it's, been playing commander for like Oh yeah. since the beginning and more he still will us. find cards that like he's never seen. I think that's something people are worried about, right? It's like, "I won't know" like, cards or whatever, trust me, Jimmy and I, we've dedicated a large portion of our lives to talking about this game and playing commander all the time for years and years, years, four hundred episodes of this podcast. Oh yeah. Jimmy don't you still read cards like every single game every single game and even
2: cards that i've seen played 20 times because i'll be like i just i need to know exactly what it yeah. says does it say may may yeah does it like and then sometimes you realize oh my gosh that actually says it doesn't say may you have to do that ability or whatever it is but that's a fun part of it because it feels like you're digging into a treasure box and every single time you pull something out it's like oh that's so beautiful i'll put it aside yep. you see and but like but then you look at it again like wait a minute there's a gem on this that i've never noticed before um i also think part of the fun of singleton is that because the cards are Different. They're not always going to do the exact same thing. Yeah. But that means that in a certain situation, you're going to have to be like, okay, because this card isn't the same as the other one. I thought I was gonna, I I could use in this situation. How do I have to use this one just a little differently to get me out of this, you know, whatever bad situation or whatever you're doing?
1: Yeah. Instead of four lightning bolts, you have to go lightning bolt now. Chain lightning, something else <laughs> similar, <laughs> yeah. right? And you're like, okay, chain lightning. Well, crap. Okay, can't target someone else that has red. Exactly. Then me. all of a sudden, I have to play slightly differently. So yeah, I love that about it. All right. Next up. Yeah. We're talking about one. One of the most unique and complex things about commander don't worry though we're gonna break it down for you so that it's easy to understand but first we're going to take a really quick break and hear a message from our sponsors if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field that's why there's no vape in team when you vape
2: okay we are back and we are teaching you how to play commander in a broad sense we're not teaching you how to play magic hopefully you already know how to do that if you don't like we said before go download arena it's free you can play and learn immediately and get all the basics down links are in the show notes we're going to talk about something a bit complex maybe the most commonly asked questions about commander because this is one that relates to every single deck and that is the issue not issue that is the topic
1: of color identity Ugh. Yeah, this one gets a little complicated. Just stick with us here. We're going to walk you through it. Uh, the The broad rule is that you can only play cards in your deck that are either colorless or they match the color identity. Remember those words, color identity of your commander. So the idea of color identity is actually unique to the commander format and is separate from the actual color of the card. And this is where I think some of the confusion comes in. Yep. So let's look at the card it's a legendary creature, so it could be your commander. Sammet, voice of dissent. Okay, so this card reads, it costs three, a red, and a green.
2: It's a three, four legendary creature, human warrior. It has flash, double strike, vigilance, and haste. It says other creatures you control have haste. And then the most important line of text for what we're about to talk about, it says
1: one white mana, tap this creature, untap another target creature. Okay, so the color of the card, not the color identity, the color of Sammet, is red and green. And the way that you determine the color of a card usually is you just look in the top right corner and you look at the casting cost. She's three red and a green, so her colors are red and green. This isn't always the case. I want to mention there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. So like Rogue Rock, Son of Rogue (laughs) Rock is a new card that has a zero casting cost so it doesn't cost any mana in the top right corner so you don't look at any mana symbol up there and say rogue is red but rogue is a red card yeah um this is maybe the only case in i
2: think the current slate of cards where this is the case fortunately rogue entire card frame is red so you understand it but generally like josh said just look at the top right and any of those colors there are going to determine the color of the card but not the color identity necessarily
1: Right, and also some flip cards have different colors on the other oh, side yeah. and things like that. So there are some cases, but I would encourage you not to worry about fringe case scenarios for now. You can learn those as you go along. Yep, for or the, look it up online. Yeah, but for the most part, top right corner, whatever the casting cost is, that's the color of the card. So according to the rules of magic, Samut is a red and and green card. She's both. For instance, if you had the card Hydroblast, which allows you to either destroy a spell if it's red, or sorry, counter a spell if it's red, or destroy a permanent if it's red, You could target Samet with Hydroblast because it is a red card. Yep. Okay, let's talk about color. Remember, that's color. That's not color identity. Now we're going to talk about color identity, which is the unique concept in Commander. Okay, so let's take a look at Samet again. The color identity is any of the
2: mana symbols at the top right and then any of the mana symbols in the rules text. So in this case,
1: Samet's color is red and green, but her color identity is red, green, and white. Right, because she has that activated ability, which adds a white mana symbol in her rules text. So that means if you build a deck based around Samit, you can only play cards that are either red, green, or white, or a combination of those. Right, they can be. They can be. It could be a green white card. Mm-hmm. Um, but you cannot play cards that are outside of Sammet's color identity. So, for instance, Demonic Tutor is a mono-black card. There's no black in Samut's cost. You can't play that card in the deck. It's not legal. You can't play Rhystic Study in a Samut deck either. Yep. Lands as well, even though,
2: you know, it may not seem this way, but they have mana symbols. So you can't play a Swamp or an Overgrown Tomb
1: because those tap for colors that are outside of sammit's color identity and it's right there in the text as well yeah that black mana symbol in the text on the lands means sammit's like no you can't play that because i can't have any uh mana symbols on stuff that is outside of my colors you also can't play cards with only a partial identity overlap with Sammet. so like assassin's trophy is a removal spell in green and black it shares green with samet but because it has that black mana symbol it cannot go in the deck. It cannot go in a Samet deck. You have to be yep. all, all... Every uh, mana symbol on your card has to be available on Sammet. Otherwise, you can't run it. Yep. However, you know,
2: colorless and artifact cards, these are cards that can go into every deck, but they also still need to abide by the same rules of matching color identity. So Soul Ring, which is an artifact that just taps for two colorless mana, is fine. But Is It Signet is not. Similar to an Overgrown Tomb, it has color symbols in there that don't match Sam's color identity, so you can't use it.
1: Right. So it, I know that trips people up. An artifact is a colorless card. It has no color. That means Hydroblast couldn't target. Right. Right? But it still has color identity if it has mana symbols on it. Uh, so uh, is this it is a gray one because it has that blue mana symbol. Can't go and Sam it. Sorry. <laughs> no, this this only changes Sammet's color identity. This does not change the color of Sammet as a card. So in Commander, let's imagine you had a car- Jimmy, you're playing Sammet, you okay. put it out, and I have a card called Western Paladin, which right. is a creature that you can pay black black to tap it and destroy target white creature. Aha, uh-huh. well then can
2: you target my Sammet because Sammet's color identity is red, green and white?
1: I cannot because Sammet is still according to the rules of color, a green and red card, not a white card. Right. So I can't target it as if it were a white card. It only sort of uh, applies to the color identity parts of the rule, which is mostly for deck building. Yep. So
2: color identity, again, it's every single mana you're finding color-wise in the top right and then in the text of the card. That is specifically for, if it's a legendary creature in your deck... Can that card fit into... What cards can fit into your deck? And the same goes if you had a card that had a red man on the top and a white mana symbol in the text box, then that could fit into the Samet deck, but it couldn't fit into a deck that's mono red because it has that extra symbol in there. It's a little complicated, but trust me, once you sort of figure it out and get an idea for it and just look at a couple of cards, you'll understand very quickly.
1: All right, there are a couple of uh, edge case scenarios we should discuss here, just because they do come up often enough, I think. And one is hybrid mana and color identity. It's worth noting that hybrid mana symbols as they um, apply to color identity, they count as both. So Deathrite Shaman uh, has a hybrid green black symbol in its top right corner. That couldn't go in the Samet deck. It's kind of like Assassin's Trophy in that way. It counts as both a green and a black card, so it doesn't Sam, doesn't have black, can't have that card. Yep. And Murderous Red Cap, similar thing. It has black and red
2: in its cost. And this just means that you can pay either black or red. But as a result, the color identity of that
1: card is both. Is both yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about color or land words <laughs> and color identity. So More uh, soup to throw at you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. This does trip people up, though. So just because a card references the word blue or white in its rules text does not make that card, that color identity. So again, if we look at that Western Paladin we talked about before, black, black, tap it, destroy a white creature, that's still, Western Paladin is still a mono black card. Just because it says the word white down there doesn't make its color identity white. If it had a white mana symbol, it would, but because it says the word white, that doesn't count. Yep, and then there are other cards that will create things that are in other colors,
2: but that doesn't change the color identity of the card. So Illuminate History is a two red red spell that basically you discard some cards, draw cards, and then you create a three, two red and white spirit creature token. So this is still a mono red card, even though at the end of it, it pops out a red and white creature token who would be considered a red and white creature. That
1: doesn't actually change the identity of the card itself. Yeah, and you're okay to run illuminate history in a mono red deck uh, even though it does create a spirit that is white the deck kind of only cares when deck building and then once you're playing it's like I don't care if something creates something that happens to be blue that's fine as long as there was no blue mana symbols Uh, anywhere on that card. It works similarly for land-type words that show up in the rules text of a card. So, if something just says the word island, that doesn't affect the color identity of a card. This is mostly uh, applicable to fetch lands. Yep. So, these are lands that you
2: sacrifice them to find a specific land in your deck and get it onto the battlefield. It can help you make sure all your mana is there. Uh, So, a card like Flooded Strand says tap it, pay a life, sacrifice it, search your library for a plains or island card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. So, even even though it says planes and island on it, you can put this card in your Samet deck because it doesn't have those mana symbols in the text. It just says planes or islands. So you would use this to find a planes
1: card in the Samet deck. Yeah, the good thing about these is you could find something that's like a plane slash mountain, right? Yeah. You could find... Yeah, it's the red, white one. You know, sacred foundry. There <laughs> right, oh my job. gosh. <laughs> Almost had a heart attack. <laughs> but fetch lands are colorless, so they can go in any deck. And actually, technically, this wouldn't be smart, but you could put them in any deck. So even if there wasn't an islands or planes, in a deck. You could put Flooded flood Strand in there. Uh, maybe you just want a sacrifice theme or something like that. Yeah, Even though there's literally land. no land in your deck that it could go find. Yeah. Uh, because they don't have an inherent color identity because if you look at Flooded Strand, there's no mana symbols on that thing. Just a lot of text. They've wanted to change this rule and a lot of people when they hear it for the first time, are like, that's dumb. That doesn't make sense. Why don't they just make it so that the when it says the land word, it is that color? It's because it would change the way uh cards that have like forest walk would work right like if you're a red card that has forest walk do you want that to be a red and green card for color identity no you want to stay mono red also think about a card like karma which deals damage to each player based on the number of swamps they control oh yeah makes a lot of things a little more complicated yeah
2: so it's nice to just understand if it's in text it does not denote a color but if it shows the literal mana symbol then it does denote that color
1: right okay Let's just talk about some examples or put them on screen here so that we can let everybody out there kind of figure out what color identity these things are. Pop quiz. Hot shot. All right. what? Shoot the hostage. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I got that quote. I know. I love it. Okay.
2: So first up, we have Ailey Eternal Pilgrim. So if you look at this card, it's got an activated ability, but it also has mana cost at the top right. We'll give you a couple of seconds. Ask yourselves, do you know what color identity this card is? This is
1: for your video viewers. Yep. It's It's pretty straightforward because the activated ability in the text is the same colors as Ailey's yeah. colors. So this card is for color identity purposes and the color of the card is black and white. Very simple. All right. Next up, we have Tassiker the
2: golden fang. This one's a little tougher. This one's a little tougher. Can you identify what the identity of this card is? Now, it costs five in the black up top. So we know for a fact that this, this is a black card. As far as that goes but the color identity well you gotta look at the activatability. ability it's got a green and blue hybrid mana cost and it's going to count for both so this card is black blue and green when it comes to color identity you can put any of those colors in your deck when building
1: it yep it's a sultai deck sultai all right the next uh example is a partner pairing it's braylon and shabraz so braylon is mono red and only has mono red stuff going on and then shabraz is blue and white and does have an activated ability but it is also a hybrid blue and white so with partners you would combine what they both can do together since they both sit in your command zone to start the game mm-hmm. and this is what we call jeskai deck which is a red white and blue color identity yep and shabraz
2: is a white and blue card and braylon is a red card but together they make white blue and red the right, let's cult. go to the last one, which is an interesting one. I like this as an example. It's Golos, Tireless Pilgrim. So it's got five mana, just five generic mana as its casting cost, and it's got a very interesting activated ability that costs two white, blue, red, black, and green. So what is the color identity of this card when you're
1: building it? If you said all five colors, Wuberg, you are correct. Ding, ding, While ding, ding, Golos ding. himself or itself is a colorless card. Yep. It's color identity is all five colors because it has that activated ability and it's cost. So if you build a Golos deck, you can put cards of any color in the deck. Basically you can play with all the cards that are legal in commander. Yeah. Very nice. Ah. <laughs> all right. That kind of covers deck building there. The uh, fact that there is singleton, how color identity works, building around your commander, this was just us covering those rules. If you want advice on how to actually like make the best choices to build an awesome commander deck, check out a video we did fairly recently called The New Commander Deck Building Template. There'll be links in the show notes that kind of goes over like good ratios and what types of cards you're looking for and how to build synergies and things like that. Uh, we'll also link a bunch of other episodes in this Uh, shown us for this particular episode that are just good general deck building tips we're not going to go into in this episode like how to build a deck we just want to cover the rules or how the politic at the table which is another fun thing yeah we got a bunch of those okay let's talk about the next rule here which is another rule that is unique to commander and also is a little more confusing i think than most people realize on the surface yes it is commander damage this is something this is a rule in commander that states if a commander card only the card being played as your commander or the two cards, if you have partners, if it deals 21 damage to another player, that player is knocked out of the game at that moment, no matter what else has happened, no matter what their life told. They could be at 1,000 life if you manage to land that 21 commander damage on them. Yep they're out this is unique to commander this is
2: sort of an alternate win condition instead of taking their life to zero i could do 21 commander damage to josh he could still be at a thousand life 50 life 20 life doesn't matter if that commander card is dealt 21 combat damage
1: then josh is knocked out this is specifically only combat damage correct a lot of people miss that it has to be dealt through swinging in combat if a card can do damage in another way it won't count uh it is also tracked according to each individual commander card. So they do not stack up. It, l- let's imagine a scenario. We're in a game. Jimmy, you attack me with your Samet. Mm-hmm. I've now taken six damage because of double strike. Then let's say the next player, Megan, attacks me with her commander. Let's say it deals six damage. I don't have 12 commander damage on me. What I have is six damage from Jimmy's commander and six damage from from Megan's commander. I have to track those two uh, damage totals separately mm-hmm. throughout the game. They do not combine. Yep, and it's actually tied to the physical card
2: itself. So let's say someone oh, interesting, takes yeah. my salmon and steals it and then decides to swing at Josh again, does another six damage. That doesn't mean that six damage from me, six damage from them. It's actually that in that case, because the physical commander card is the one doing it and they stole that card. Josh now has 12 Commander damage total.
1: Yeah, commander damage is tied to the actual physical card that's on the table. However, that card deals damage is tracked on the same damage tracker. So it even would uh, keep tracking that damage if somehow your card got manifested, your commander, or got right. flipped, flipped over. over. Yeah, if it got flipped over, even though it's a 2 2 now with Ixadron or something like that, and hit me for another two, I would have eight commander damage on me. It would continue to track because it's a this physical card has dealt eight damage to Josh. Then somebody steals that card, hits me with it. Now I've taken ten damage if it hasn't been flipped back over. So yeah, people get that kind of confused. They do not stack with multiple commanders, um, but the same card will stack no matter where it is or what's happened to it. Yep. You can't make
2: a copy or a clone of that card either. So it's a token copy. That does not count as commander damage if that thing is hitting. It has to be again tied to the physical actual card itself.
1: Yeah, if you clone somebody's commander, you're not dealing commander damage. You're just dealing... You're, your you're version just, is not a commander. It's just a it's just a creature. Yeah, but you can still deal damage, deal damage with it, just regular damage. We can't stress this enough. Remember, it is only combat damage that deals commander damage. Nekusar, which is a card that deals damage to opponents every time they draw a card, when they're drawing a card, that's not combat. So Nekusar is not dealing commander damage in those cases. I'm sorry, that would be broken. That's not how commander damage works. It is only combat damage. Yep, yep. yep. All right. Okay. Whew. All that, right. Was a,
2: that was a, a brainful and a mouthful to discuss all of those super unique rules to Commander. So, let's move on to the next topic. We're going to be covering a little bit of the idea of multiplayer, why it's so awesome, and sort of the intricacies to that. So, again, Commander very typically is a multiplayer format. Most common, we found, is four-player pods. But we've heard of games that get up to 20 people. Don't do that. Uh, down to three, up to fives, anywhere in that range. But typically you're around four to five players if you're above five players we'd recommend actually splitting it so you have two pods of three as opposed to like a six player game because no one wants to sit down for a three hour extravaganza at the end of which everyone goes well i got to go home now but thanks and for they the never single finish, game yeah. yeah Or yeah yeah and you never even finish the game or one person gets knocked down and has to sit there for the next 30 40 hour two hours
1: you can try it six player is not the worst but I, I think two three player pods is better uh just there's too much time in between you take your turn and then you literally wait like 45 minutes before it yeah comes. you could go get a, a drink and go to the bathroom and eat a meal in between sometimes. <laughs> but don't do that either. But the, but the multiplayer aspect really does change a lot of things about how the game is magic is played and it does affect deck building and it affects a lot how you play when you're playing the game. So multiplayer just adds a ton of layers uh, yep. that, are, that are interesting and unique and I think To me, multiplayer is actually the biggest thing, the biggest reason that Commander is what it is. It's the thing that separates it the most. Because deck building restrictions are cool, but every format has certain deck building restrictions. Not every format is multiplayer. Almost every format is 1v1, and that's really the thing that makes Commander stand out.
2: Yeah, Magic, again, wasn't designed to be a multiplayer game, so the fact that players and fans were able to craft this format out of the game of Magic, and it ends up being way more fun, in our opinion, is sort of what brings so many players, new players and old players alike, to this format, as sort of their go-to to enjoy the game in, in a way that isn't as sweaty, as we sort of say it in the
1: in the biz, all right, so some of the reasons that multiplayer is so cool is that it does lessen that hyper-competitive spirit. It does make it more about the social part of the game. Yeah, there's a ton more
2: variance, and the decision points you have to make are way more varied because if someone brings a table to, a, a deck to the table you've never seen before, you may be making a decision based on what's happening that you've never even thought before
1: in your entire life. Uh, it, the, the social aspect, the table politics, is a really big, fun thing about multiplayer. You can sway the decisions of others. You can make deals, alliances like i said a lot of ties to things like among us and werewolf and and even tabletop role-playing games uh which adds just a totally different aspect than magic has in any other format
2: yeah and the longer you play with someone the more alliances or sort of grudges you might hold Uh, and that could totally influence the way a game plays out you know much to the chagrin of others or to the enjoyment you know there's a lot of fun to be had there and it really does help you i think grow that uh synergy with a group of friends if you do sort of have that long-term play group and that can be a lead to so many fun moments.
1: Uh, we talked about longer games, and that can be a downside if it goes very, very long, but the fact that like you you don't often have very, very short games mm-hmm. is, I think, uh, up in the positive column, because it allows a lot of things we've talked about up till now, like being able to play more French strategies, and some of the crazier, splashier, bigger cards, being able to really set up crazy scenarios. Uh, those are all aspects of longer games, whereas if the shorter the game is, the less chance you have to do that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, and you have a big deck, and you want to you know play a lot more out of that, so the longer the 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 game is, the more cards you're going to get to see. A nice part, again, is that anyone's welcome at the table, right? Even if my deck is slightly less powerful, I'm less experienced than other players, that makes me less of a target sometimes. And so there is a sort of self-policing effect that happens with a lot of commander and multiplayer games where if someone, and we all clearly recognize that, X person is just going off the rails and we need to deal with them, then we can team up and gather up as a team and go against them or give ourselves an alliance. Hey, I'm not gonna swing at you for a turn if we can deal with that thing. And so that self-policing effect leads to a more fun and fair game oftentimes for players that might be disadvantaged for one reason or another.
1: Yeah, it really can help bring balance to the table, which is a lot of fun. So let's talk about how multiplayer uh affects your deck building. So one of the things you wanna keep an eye out for are cards that say each opponent rather than target opponent Mm -hmm. or each player's upkeep rather than on your upkeep or on target player's upkeep. Um, Because there are so many more players, those cards were generally designed and balanced for one V one and can be a little bit skewed, IE more powerful in commander because they're actually referring to, you know, when you have three opponents, that's going to happen a lot more than they thought that when it was only one opponent, right? Yeah, so cards like
2: Dragon Broodmother, which makes tokens, and it says at the beginning of each upkeep was probably designed to only happen on your upkeep and your opponent's upkeep, but now with four players, that's going to happen four times every time it goes around the table. Cards like Baleful Forest, which it says at the beginning of each upkeep, you draw a card, you lose a life. Wirewood Symbiote, you can activate this each turn, so you can sort of use this
1: ability over and over again on each turn instead of just one turn and your opponent's turn back to yours. Yeah, stuff that says only about use once each turn was supposed to be twice again, but yeah. now it's four times and that big, that's twice as powerful sometimes, right? Yeah, so with more players, a lot of cards in Magic's history scale more
2: differently and more and more powerfully as well. So just keep an eye out for those. Those often can be the hidden gems that you pull out at a deck and at a table and people go, what the heck? I can't believe that does that. Right, that thing
1: seems broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was designed for two players and we're in four player. Uh, another big thing that will change in your deck building now that you're playing in a multiplayer format over sort of like standard or modern or historic or something like that, is that higher mana value cards, higher CMC cards are more likely to get cast. So we can generally play more seven, eight, nine drops than you can, I mean, in standard and like, modern legacy sometimes you can but you're cheating it out or it's like the goal of your deck is to get that to that specific thing and it has no room to do anything else and most decks don't even play any seven drops right like that's very rare whereas i'd say most commander decks have at least a few seven drops eight drops somewhere in that range because you will get to the point in the game of being able to cast them don't go overboard you don't have 20 of these cards but you're allowed. you can have some and they're going to be fine even if you're not cheating them into play Yeah, you have more
2: life. You have more players. You probably just are going to have more time to set up. And, you know, we talk a lot about the ratios of what to put into your deck in terms of mana ramp and also card draw. And And those those episodes will be linked in the show notes. Because there's a lot more ramp and every single deck is trying to get more mana out of their deck every single turn, you're going to have a higher chance of casting your five, six, seven drops. And, you know, players are expected to in a lot of ways because you need a higher power level in order to win the game because you're playing against more people. You know, your regular two drop that maybe in an aggro deck could beat someone one-on-one is not going to cut it in a four-player game you're going to need something that's a six mana spell or seven
1: or whatever it is to have that power level that is necessary to sort of close out the game i like what you said there about mana ramp and card draw in general these are more important in commander than they are in other formats in other formats uh you can have decks that don't have any mana ramp they don't have any card draw mm -hmm. in commander every single deck needs mana ramp and card draw yep um Another thing that's different in multiplayer magic is that instance, instant speed stuff becomes much, much better. You won't be able to answer or destroy all the threats from three different players, right? In general, that you won't, just won't have the resources, either the mana or the cards in hand, to be able to be like, I kill your thing, your cool <laughs> thing when you play it, I kill your cool thing when you play it, and I kill your thing when you play it. In 1v1, you can kind of sometimes keep up and do that. Uh, this just can't happen because it's, you're so skewed. You've got three opponents and there's only one of you. So it becomes much more important to only deal with the stuff that you know is a problem for you specifically. If Jimmy plays a card, even if it's big and scary, it could actually be great for me that he's doing that if his main target in this game is going to be Mel. Yep. You know, if she's scary right now and he plays it, I'm going to be like, yes, that thing's awesome. And then I might hold my sword, to plowshares for later after he's dealt with Mel or something else and be like, yeah, I may have to, I might have to kill that thing because it's scary, but only when it's... Best point- for me. Yeah, only when it's going to be pointed at me. I could wait. And he finally goes, okay, Josh, I'm going to attack you with it. Okay, I kill it. Yep. But I don't want to miss out on him attacking Mel with it one or two times before that happens, right? Instant Speed is great, too, because let's say I pass my turn and I'm holding up that removal spell.
2: Josh plays something, I'm like, holy crap, that's so bad. But I can actually wait two more turns for two other players to go, and if they don't do anything and I have to be the one to remove it, I can do it at the very last moment. A lot of times you'll find that you know, lesser experienced players might fire off a removal spell too early when someone else could have actually dealt with it, and had they held that card, someone else could have done the job for them.
1: So that Instant Speed gives you a little more flexibility, which is always nice. And think about it from an information standpoint. In 1v1, when I pass the turn to Jimmy, um, the amount of information I don't have is one player's turn worth of stuff. And he's going to do his things, then it's going to come back to me. In multiplayer magic, I pass the turn and I don't have information about Jimmy's turn yet and then once his turn's done, I don't have information about the other two players turn yet and once the next player's turn, like the information gap is so large once I pass the turn and instant speed is like recon. It allows you to kind of wait and see what happens and act when you have more information. Yeah, sometimes you'll actually use it on something
2: else entirely different because it happened two turns later and you realize that's the real threat. Right. Um, another card that we didn't uh, mention yet is stuff like board wipes because mm. again, board wipes are like cards that get Of every creature on the board, they're going to be better when you have more players because they're going to have more cards on the table. Your card is just going to get more value. So, a card like Toxic Deluge, one of our favorite board wipes in the format, is so good because you, one, have the extra life to pay for it. But also, when you use it, instead of just maybe removing two, three cards, sometimes you can remove eight to 12 cards. And that kind of
1: value is the kind of thing that can swing a game in your favor. And the last thing we're going to talk about here about the difference in deck building and, and sort of strategy when you're doing multiplayer is there are some archetypes, some types of decks they are just kind of inherently weaker uh, in multiplayer. Yeah. So you're not going to see as many pure aggro decks running around uh, in Commander because aggro strategies are usually balanced for 1v1. They can't make a one-mana 4-4, right? Like, it would have to have a huge downside, and yeah. the Vexing Devil is that, right? Uh, <laughs> and... and that's just not something that would make sense, because in 1v1, that would just totally skew the balance. So they can't. it's hard for them to design those cards. However, like a 2-mana 2-2, which is a pretty good, you know, decent aggro card in, like, Limited or something, just not good enough in Commander, because I have to knock out three other players, and they all have double life totals, so it's like having to knock out six players... Yeah, If that's the equivalent in 1v1, and usually you're playing the game of like, I'm going to kill you before your card advantage or your crazy uh, combo sets up. But because in Commander, maybe I take out Jimmy, maybe I take out another player, but by the time I'm ready for the third player, they're now set up. Yeah, or someone plays a board wipe that you weren't expecting, and there goes your entire strategy, and they're just getting started. Yep. So... Uh, also mill mill is another strategy that's just tougher in not not impossible and again aggro is not impossible but you'll see less of it in multiplayer and commander yeah generally because again you're playing against more people more life the cards that you're playing
2: each need to have just sort of a higher bar to sort of set the table and be able to exist at the table and work and so you'll find that cards with a lot more synergies or inherent sort of like strengths with other cards in your deck are going to be better than just your regular oh this is a big power creature for low mana
1: All right, let's talk about the social aspect, the table politics. This is another aspect of multiplayer. Um, And again, I think this is sort of the primary thing that makes Commander what it is. Typically in one v one formats, there's not a ton of discussion between the players. I mean, you announce your game moves, maybe ask a rules question. Mm -hmm. You know, I move to this phase of the turn. You 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 communicate those things. But this thing never happens in one v one where you play a creature and I go, please don't attack me with that. And be like, no, that's not how it works.
2: My goal is I I don't have any choice. Yeah, that's literally why would I not? It would actually be making a mistake.
1: Yeah, there's who else is there to attack? (laughs) Like I I would if I'm not going to attack you with it, why would I play the creature? Yep. Yeah, but in Player, it totally is realistic for you to be like hey jimmy can you not attack me with that creature and him to be like well yeah sure but be me something down the line or like hey look
2: how about you use that howling mine in your hand right now because i want to draw those cards sooner rather than later
1: yeah you can make deals you can make alliances you can negotiate with people you can discuss what they're going to do and try and get information you can team up deflect convince connive basically you can talk to people And talking to people is really fun. Uh, Some players go all in on this and
2: love to do this politicking aspect of it. Other players shy away from it. And that's, again, totally fine and up to you and your play group. You don't have to make deals with other players. But that is what lends to the big fun part of the social aspect of this is that you never know what's going to change the outcome of a game. Sometimes a player will do something that is inherently just like, that wasn't very fun or nice. You know what? Let's team up on them. Or like, you know what? I like that. I'm going to give you like the benefit of the doubt this time or whatever it is. Those little elements are not printed on cards. They're not in the rules, but they make the game that much more interesting.
1: Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts about the whole format. It's just, you know, the, the discussion, the... The little games you play to try and be like, oh man, if I can get them to just not attack me for one turn, yeah. then I could do this thing. Uh, I just, being like, yeah. I actually
2: don't have anything. Oh, look at how bad my board state is. But in your head, you're like, they have no idea. Yeah. They have no
1: idea how this good it's going to be. Just don't see it. Just don't see it. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the most fun things about the format. Uh, we have tons of episodes that are basically tips and tricks on... You know, politics at the table, how to negotiate, how to get, you know, be manipulative or whatever and and pull pull one over on people. Uh, We're not going to dive deeply into that in this episode, but those links will be in the show notes to those episodes. Yeah, and something Josh always talks about is that in
2: the game itself... It's not like a you can do whatever you want, but it is a game. And at that point, anything goes in terms of the deals and stuff you're making. Don't take that energy outside of the game and carry your grudges or anger outside of it. When you're in the world of Commander and you're sitting down at the table, you're sort of entering into a new arena where these sorts of politicking and these rules happen, and it's okay for them to happen. So that's another fun part of it is being able to divorce that part of the game from the rest of the world.
1: All right, let's talk about the next talking point, which is a competitive spectrum. So, Commander is one of the only ways to play where people will actually do suboptimal things, like, on purpose, for fun. Yeah. But, like, any Magic format or game in general, there's the capability to run into all types of players, right? You can you can find extremely competitive people playing Commander, all the way down to people that are so casual, they're literally not trying to win, ever. Uh, and the vast majority of people are not looking for the you know the most highly tuned decks trying to win as fast as possible experience but some are and that's okay i think the important thing is to make sure that before you play when you sit down you're setting the expectations you're having a discussion you know while you're shuffling up, getting on the same page, finding out what everybody in the game wants as far as what to what they want to get from the experience, and what decks are they bringing to the table? Because let's say
2: you have a finely tuned deck, what's like bringing an F1 to a go kart race? Right. It's like that's not going to be fun for anyone. You're obviously going to smoke them all, but they just wanted to putt putt around with the go kart and have fun and banter and throw I don't know bananas at each other or whatever. Like it's Mario Pretty Kart. Shells, yeah. Yeah. So talking through the power level of the deck is really important to understand. If you're sitting down, everyone goes, "Hey, I'm looking for a competitive experience," okay, cool. You know what? Actually, I don't have any of those kinds of decks on me, but I can find another play group over there. Or you go, you know what? I want to see if I can keep up with that pace. Or everyone goes, hey, you know, we were just trying to have some fun. We have some pre-cons. We're trying to play really casually. This is their first time playing. This is their second week in the game. Oh, fun. That's exactly the kind of area that I want to be in. So just make sure that when you're sitting down, it's incumbent on you and also the other players to make sure that's expressed. So at the end of the day, everyone walks away from the table with at least knowing that like, hey, I knew what I was getting into and I had fun because of that
1: yeah I'd say most of the time even though you start maybe on different levels of what you want you'll come to a position of compromise somebody might say well I've got this really competitive deck and I'd like to play it and you might not have a CEDH deck on you but you might be like okay I'll just play my best deck Yeah. and I know your deck's probably going to smash mine but this will be a fun challenge and going in you just already know that and when they do stuff that normally you might find mean or or too competitive it might be okay because you knew that going in and then the next game you go okay we played your competitive deck can we play something lower power level they're going to be more likely to be like yeah I got this deck over here because you know everyone's allowing each other to have fun and I think that's kind of the big thing is just have those discussions yeah and try not to be too negative or react
2: too harshly if something doesn't go exactly the way that was discussed beforehand this is it takes so much time and effort to like fully find that calibration and no matter what at the end of the day your power level 7 might be a power level 10 to someone else and you don't actually necessarily know that going into the game but it takes a little bit of calibration and stuff but once you get that balance set once you figure out the players that you love to play with and the play groups or just understand how to sort of talk have that talk before each game you're going to find yourself having a lot more fun but it takes time and effort to cultivate that
1: yeah i say give people a break give them the benefit of the doubt if you have the discussion it doesn't like lead to the most perfect commander game ever a lot of times it's like okay our calibration was a little off. Let's try again here. Yeah. You know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them a break. And uh, most people, I find, are not, like, bad actors. They are trying to, like, let everybody... They they want the same thing that you want as far as, like, they want to come to an understanding and have everybody have an experience where they walk away from it saying, like, that was fun. Yeah, and over time, as as you play more commander, you might build
2: more decks to sort of fill that spectrum from hyper-casual to hyper-competitive so that when you sit down at the table, you're
1: always going to have the right deck to play when it comes to it. Yeah, you'll have choices. You'll have options. It does take a long time to cultivate a really good play group so you know yeah. it's something that takes time and effort as well all right we're getting near the end here we're going to talk about why we play commander what we love about it <laughs> i love your answer so for me i love commander because of the gathering the yucks the yucks yeah what a great word the the laughter that's the one thing that I always think about when I think of Commander is just everybody kind of laughing yeah. at whatever it is. Uh, the oh, hang... Like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> that's <a laughs> common noise you hear, like, oh! <laughs> I love that. when the, Or when you're... A lot of times we play and there's a number of Commander pods going on and you just hear that from the other yeah, side of yeah. the room. The, oh! And everybody laughing. And it's just like, that's what Commander is to me. Just, yeah, those noises. So it's mostly just the hanging with friends. I love the cards and I love, like, doing cool things. But at the, sa- but at the same time, like, the most fun part of it for me is just like hanging out with your friends.
2: Yeah, I think the community aspect is
1: definitely what I love the most because before we played Commander, I
2: used to play board games with my friends all the yeah. time and those were always fun but having to sit down and sometimes you would learn three board games a night and you have to spend a well, significant a amount of time just sitting there reading the rule book or someone, it would always be their position to sit there and explain the game to everyone so Commander provided an experience where everyone already knew the game, already was ready to play this world but it felt like every single table you sat at could be a different board game in and of itself so having that the crazy moments the O's and the ahs i also really like building around themes or doing things that are just like fun and interesting to me because for me like the politicking is fun but i love the self-expression and also just like sometimes adding that chaos i'm someone that constantly plays suboptimally just to see what happens um and i think also having played for so long now i'm not in it to just try and win every time because you know you're playing with four different people there's a good chance you're not coming out on top in that game so why not have more
1: fun in the meantime yeah, and you don't remember exactly how many games you've won or lost of Commander ever, right? Yeah. So, But you will remember, like, this one time I, did, I played this card and this happened. Oh, yeah. I can still recall with, with crystal pinpoint precision some moments where people
2: like Craig did things to me that I'll never forget. Yeah. Typically <laughs> Craig. It's yeah. always Craig. Or I'll be reminded by the internet about a certain time I made a play that was totally bad. But it was, you know what? Totally memorable. And that, to me, is more
1: important than the winning part of it. All right, let's end this discussion with some common questions, uh, stuff that people frequently ask, just to kind of help everybody with the little stuff that got nagging yeah. at them as we've been talking. So the first question is, what is E-D-H? Oh, uh, yes. Well, EDH. Is Commander, and Commander
2: is EDH, but we most often refer to the game now as Commander. So Commander was originally created by judges and fans of the game to pass time during rounds at Magic tournaments
1: way back in the day. And it was called EDH because it stood for Elder Dragon Highlander. Yeah, so the Elder Dragon is the legendary creature so that's become the commander yep. and highlander is another word for singleton because there can be only one yes is the quote from the there can be only one and we turned it into i am one, the last stand. one i'm the last one henry jones jr wait that's a set the different movie different <laughs> movie shaking not <notched-er. laughs>
2: whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> going all over turns out there's gonna be a lot of 007s actually
1: <laughs> So, that's why Elder Dragon Highlander, but when Wizards um, sort of officially started supporting the format and creating product for it, it got renamed to Commander. Yeah. Because Elder Dragon Highlander, let's be honest, like, to most people, that's just gobbledygook and doesn't mean anything. And also, yeah. <laughs> it has a reference to another IP in it, so they renamed it to Commander. But you, you'll hear people refer to it as EDH. It's yeah. the same thing.
2: And the original Elder Dragons were also the technically the only creatures oh, right. you could play as your Commander, which is fun. So, like, the Nickel Bolas or whatever, you, you would have all the five of them, but those were the only creatures you could use. That has obviously changed in the same way that games like League of Legends call them champions. Yeah. We call them commanders.
1: Yep. All right. The next uh, frequently asked question is, can I play Commander online, like on Arena? No. You cannot play it on Arena, nor should you expect to play it on Arena.
2: Arena is built to be a 1v1 format. Uh, Magic the Gathering Online, which is the legacy client for Magic, has Commander but it's not ideal we don't recommend it um there's a lot of feel bads when it comes to that client if you click okay at the wrong time you may lose your chance to win the game because you pass priority and typically in commander games if someone makes a mistake or goes like oh wait
1: hold on can I actually do this first players will
2: be like yeah yeah no worries
1: because it's super complicated yeah. yeah
2: magic online does not give you that freedom
1: plus it's hard to socially interact over magic online there's yeah. just not a good way to like chat with everybody no politicking it becomes you, a lot more optimal playing you can play on there but very few people do because it's not really the same yeah Uh, The best way to play online is actually through Spelltable. And this is a, what what would you call it? Like a platform that was created to work with like webcams. It's the Zoom call of Commander. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what it is. So you just need a camera that's pointed down at your board. And then Spelltable actually has card recognition software built in so that you can see the other player's boards because they have a camera pointed down in it and you can actually click on their cards and the card recognition will actually bring it up on screen for you so that you can tell, you know, what cards you don't know are, which is a game changer for commander. Cause again, like we said, we've played this game and talked about it more than anybody. And we still have cards every single game that we don't remember what they specifically mm-hmm. say. We just kind of, I generally know what that does, but I need a specific wording or even cards get played from like new sets, trick and I'm like, I just talked about that in a set review, but I don't actually remember exactly what it does. Uh, So Spell Table allows you to kind of look at cards and see everybody's board states yeah so if you have some friends in another state or even you just don't want to go over you can play over
2: spell table you can also google spell table discord and discord is like an online chat room with servers and you'll find tons of different places where people gather for games or say like hey i'm looking to play a game i have a power level six deck uh who wants to go play and then you'll sort of send over the spell table link and everyone can join up that
1: way so it's a really great way to play remotely and digitally yeah i've been great through the pandemic um some quick notes you want to avoid cards when you're playing over a spell table that like look at other players decks or hands uh it can be difficult to do things like steal your opponent's creatures because obviously you're not in the same space with them so you yeah. can't like reach over and just be like hey can i grab that and put it onto my battlefield not that you totally can't do it some people use those cards that with dry erase markers right on, hey, and like on them in, yeah but just be aware of that there are certain decks that don't function as well in that environment yeah oh does that mean no opposition agent I mean, I'd say no Opposition Agent. No, Normally, ev- no, I guess technically you can do it, but it'd be real hard, right? You got to look through their whole deck. Yeah, and
2: then everyone has to close their eyes because the only way they show you their deck uh, is, yeah, yeah. So just avoid those cards in general. Spell Table is still a great way to get Commander games in just without that specific kind of interaction.
1: All right, the next question is, what's the difference between Commander and Brawl? Ah, so there are a lot of similarities, but Brawl
2: was invented to be a 60-card format that rotated, so that meant that cards that you have today are not going to be legal in the format after certain sets come out. So, Brawl is also primarily 1v1, and it's played on Arena. It's got similar deck building restrictions, like Singleton and all that stuff, but they're not the
1: same. Yeah, some people do play it in paper or multiplayer, but not many. Again, Google's your best friend here for figuring out, but they're not the same. Yeah. All right, what about the ban list and other rules that we refer to here, Jimmy?
2: Yeah, so Commander can be extremely complex. I'm sure some of your heads are spinning after everything we've talked about in this episode. Uh, but you can find out a lot more about, for instance, the core philosophies of Commander from the creators themselves, what they call Rule Zero as well, and the ban list. If you go to mtgcommander.net, again, i will be linked in the show notes below. Something to note, though, Commander as a format is not run by Wizards of the Coast. Now, Wizards does make a lot of cards for it and
1: releases product specific to Commander, But the format itself is regulated outside of that. Yeah, there's something called the Commander Rules Committee, and these are four individuals. Like Jimmy said, a lot of them are ex-judges, very high-level judges, who basically... Created and then shepherded this format and popularized it and things like that. Now there are some members of the there are some members of the rules committee who are currently Wizards of the Coast employees. At least one, and or have been in the mm-hmm. past. At least a couple have been called in to help with card design and things like that. Uh, but that's not being on the rules committee is not tied to their job at wizards yeah and so they don't function officially uh as wizards people on the rules committee even though wizards does have some ties to it yeah it's it's a really unique situation i think it's the only format that functions in this way but it is really community and player created yep yep Uh, and also
2: something that will come up quite a lot rules wise is you'll have an old card and the text on it will be all wonky it's it's formatted weird. it says weird things always just go online and there are a lot of apps that'll do this as well and you can look up the actual what they call the oracle text of the card on gatherer.wizards.com uh and you can just look up what it actually sh- should say if it was templated in 2021 as opposed to in 93 when it was written some cards would just have gobbledygook written all <laughs> over sometimes
1: it like why did they think saying that was okay it's just like a <laughs> random words that are just put on the card yeah, yeah 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 all right the next question is where should i go to play first ah this is a great question uh especially
2: right now as everyone's sort of coming out of the pandemic slowly I would say your local game store is one of the best places to go. Not only are you supporting your local game store and you're providing people to go there to participate in events and all that stuff, but this is where other like-minded individuals, especially players of Magic and people
1: that play Commander, are going to be gathering and looking for other people to play with. Yep, there's also hopefully soon again, pandemic willing, going to be live in-person events, magic fests, command fests. Hopefully those are going to be returning soon. Uh, spell table is a great way mm-hmm. to play. Um, and also to meet people online, to form play groups online. And then just anyone, you know, who plays magic is liable to be a good candidate to start a commander play group with. So this could be somebody at your school, at your church uh, and yeah. club that you're part of, or any social circles, uh, at your work. We know a lot of people who sort of find out somebody else at work. This is how this whole podcast started. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, we at met a, we, we met each other at work and you know, I saw Sarah angel, I think on Jimmy's desk Mm -hmm. and that's all it took was for us to begin. You play magic, you play magic. And before you know it, you know seven years later you got 400 episodes of a podcast <laughs> that's how that happens for everyone yeah, bada uh, bing, bada boom. <laughs> easy as that Yada yada. yeah yada. yeah yada, yada, yada. a
2: couple of things here and there and bam that was it, easy as that no a lot of players too will have game nights at their houses sometimes board game groups will also have magic players within them so if those sorts of activities are happening or maybe you want to play with just your family you know i know a lot of oh, great yeah. families that just buy 4 precons and that's it that's the extent of their building their decks and they have i would say just as much fun if not more fun than
1: a lot of play groups out there. So don't be afraid of those restrictions as well. Everyone has to start somewhere. And you need a number of players to play Commander. It's different than if, I, if I'm just playing limited or 1v1 or standard, I really only need one other person to play. Commander, you need at least two, but you ideally yeah. want three or four. And so co- play groups are often looking for extra members. So if you find out somebody plays Magic and or Commander, don't be shy. Just be like, hey, I, I like... I would like to play. I'm, yep. I'm learning, you know, can I play with you? A lot of times they will be, they will want you to come because that's another person that can be in their play group and allows them to play more often. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. Commander is probably not the best way to learn how to play magic itself.
2: Definitely learn to play magic. On arena. arena. Yeah, or just having a friend teach you and then dip your toes into, water. You don't, into the water. You don't want to dive into the deep end immediately and not know how to swim.
1: You need to know how attacking, blocking works, how to cast your spells, what the phases are, how the stack works. Arena has tutorials that are literally designed to teach you that stuff. Learn on Arena. The rules are all the same in paper and then you can move into Commander. It's a great, that's a great path to take and it won't take you very long. Yeah. And it's fun. You get to play magic. (laughs) All right. And then how do I learn more, Jimmy? Well,
2: watch episodes like this. Obviously, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel called the Command Zone Podcast, what are you doing? Click the subscribe button. You can hit the notification bell. We are one of many YouTube channels and podcasts and shows out there that talk about magic and specifically Commander as well. That scene has just blown up. Um, We have game nights as well. It's a great way to just understand oh, okay, here's a way that people play around the table. We do a lot of demonstrations of how the stack works during more crazy rules interactions. But there are other gameplay play shows out there too so you can understand you know there's a whole breadth in terms of how people play why they play their styles their play groups their humor and all that stuff
1: yeah our our web series game nights uh that is nights with a k is a really good way to sort of see Commander games in action. And we take a lot of care to make sure that everything's very clear as far as what's going on. So mm-hmm. it really is ideal. If you understand Magic at all, you'll be able to watch Game Nights and follow it. We even hear from people who don't even play Magic who are able to watch Game Nights just because we do uh, a good job of explaining sort of every step of the way. So I'd say if you want to learn more, that's a good place to start. But like Jimmy said, there are so much Commander content out there. Now, if you just go on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app, you're gonna find a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's really all helpful. And if you like our style, then if you just add the words command
2: zone to the end of your Google search, if you look up strategy command zone, you'll probably find a podcast episode that we've done talking about that very specific thing.
1: Yeah. And we're going to have a ton of links in the show notes for this episode. So click on that more info box below the video, you know, and go down there and we're, I'm going to put a bunch of like episodes that are good for beginning players in there so that you can kind of follow through and uh, hopefully get a, a good look at what the format looks like.
2: Yeah. And feel free to ask us questions. Josh and I are really active on twitter as well as we have a discord for our patrons you can also send us an email you can talk to us on instagram comment comment below in this video yeah there's tons of places and also you'll find that commander players are really helpful we all just want people to play the game with us so if you ask a comment there's a good chance we will get responded to or you can send it to another content creator out there lots of helpful voices just ask us the question
1: In fact, if you are going to comment below this video, we have some specific questions that we would like you to answer. One is, what questions about Commander do you still have that we didn't answer in this episode? We'll be really looking through the comments, because if there's some stuff that we didn't cover that a lot of people are asking about, we'll be able to make another video or more content about it to really answer Mm -hmm. those questions that we didn't answer this time. And if you're an established Commander player, you know, Ah. maybe put some good advice you have In the comments below this video for those that are just starting out, especially if it's advice that we didn't cover in this episode or little tips and tricks you've learned from teaching people or bringing people into the Commander uh, family yep and if you want to get started playing commander well the
2: first thing you have to do is get some cards fortunately we have just the link for you if you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone that is our affiliate link that's where you can pick up commander singles sealed product like the new pre-cons that are always coming out modern horizons 2 is right on the horizon for us right now and that's going to have tons of powerful cards for commander as well one of the most exciting parts about commander is getting new cards putting them into your deck and empowering all that stuff up so make sure you just use that affiliate link cardkingdom.com slash command zone and when you're there you can pick up whatever you need and you can build your deck and get on your merry way
1: yeah nothing else happens you just order the cards you were going to order no matter what but simultaneously you get to support content like this Uh, and then when you get the cards you want to keep them safe you don't want them to get messed up we know that magic cards are valuable we want to keep them in pristine condition the best way to do that is with ultra pro products they really are the company that jimmy and i trust our own collections to i have all of my 20 something decks i think it's 27 or 28 Mm now um in Eclipse sleeves, pro-gloss Eclipse sleeves, I think oh, are the best ones. I need ones. to start switching over. Yeah, I switched over most of my, like, main decks that are in the main rotation. Yeah. I still have a few that are in the old Eclipse sleeves, which are still good. And it's like, uh, I feel bad switching them out of those old sleeves because the sleeves haven't broken, even though I've had them for, like, three yeah. or four years. But Put them into a new deck. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, ultra really does make this stuff to to protect your stuff you want to use their play mats deck boxes to really keep all your cards uh, safe because if you travel with them or something like that you don't want them to get bent or anything yeah Yeah, so hopefully you'll be doing a lot more traveling soon and we'll be able to meet you at a command fest sometime and get a game in that's that's gonna be a blast that is exciting I hope that's coming soon Uh, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone there's all kinds of perks for patrons they get to watch episodes of game nights and extra turns earlier than the general public in fact If you're watching this right when it came out, we have a really special episode of Game Nights. It's coming out this week. We have a huge guest. Post Malone is at the table playing Commander with us. One of his own decks that he brewed. It's really, really exciting. It's a really fun game. You'd get to watch that earlier than the general public if you just sign up for our Patreon. Yeah, you definitely want to find out what happens in that game. And also,
2: Post Malone, he's a good player. Turns out he learned a lot of how to play. From us. (laughs) Yep.
1: (laughs) And he used it against us. Yep, he definitely did. So you want to check that out, go to patreon.com slash command zone. All right. um, Big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, Grav Galati, and we've got a new guy who just started. He's a writer-producer. His name is Dan Sheehan. Dan's been doing uh, great work already on some of our ads. Also, I wanted to Give Dan a shout because Dan just had a book release. Pretty cool. I saw this downstairs and was like, wait a minute. I recognize the name on this. Yeah. So Dan uh, wrote a book called I Am Not a Wolf. Dan runs a Twitter account called Sick of Wolves. And <laughs> uh, so the wolf thing is, is, is. Very near and dear to Dan's heart, something he's been going on about for a number of years here. Mm. So the book is called "I Am Not a Wolf." It's like a choose-your own adventure, but it's like a it's a a comedy book. It's very funny. Yeah. Uh, In fact, if you follow us on Twitter, we're probably going to have some sort of giveaway soon because we have Dan in house, and I bought a number of the books that to have him sign. So we're going to give away a bunch of Dan's book um, if you want to get your hands on that. Just make sure. When's the last time you read a choose-your own adventure book? Uh, As I was reading it, I was like, it's been a long time, and these are actually really fun. And Dan did a great job. Yeah. So yeah, go to at CommandCast, follow us on twitter uh, and we'll be giving away this book at some point in the near future so you get your copies signed I copies yeah all
2: right special thanks to jeffrey palmer as always he does a lot of the living card animations that start the show and also those live behind us here on set you can find him on twitter at living cards mtg all
1: right everybody hopefully now you know how to play commander yeah send this to all your friends that
2: are looking to get into the game it's a great place to start and i can't wait to see you all around the table very soon hopefully beating us with our own tips and tricks beating us uh challenging us uh, i like
1: that <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody, thanks for watching see you next time peace
0: thank you for your attention for further inquiries send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com Or ask us on Twitter at
2: J.F. Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...